Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. It is a period of near civil war. Killer viruses striking from invisible oral aerosols have won their first million victories against humankind. During the pandemic, liberal spies managed to learn of plans for the Trumpire's ultimate weapon, a third seat on the bench, a majority with enough power to destroy an entire nation. Pursued by the Trumpire's sinister Senate Majority Leader, Kamala Harris races home aboard her airplane, custodian of federal funding that can save her people's fire-stricken lands and restore equality to minorities. Oh boy, get your nerd glasses on. We're talking Star Wars, religion, and everything pint glass preachers. Isn't it Kamala? Oh, it is, isn't it? Kamala Harris, yeah. It's- yeah. yeah, it's it's I can't believe I did that. All I'm That's, saying is, you're a godless Democrat, sir. <laughs> or, or I was mesmerized by the quality of sound effects that we have on this episode of yes. Pint Glass Preachers. What to do, baby? Get lit. Say it ain't so. We're back. We're back. Uh, friends, so good to be with you all for another episode of Pint Glass Preachers. And yes, in fact, we are talking about Star Wars today. Uh, despite uh, Tom's political rhetoric, we are just uh, keeping it pretty light today. I mean, who knows what will happen as we discuss it. It's a very deep uh, series of films, uh, minus Phantom I think, Menace. I think and that's a good call. A saga. Was... It's called a saga, Gabe. It's not. It's called a saga. Oh, a saga. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a saga. <laughs> it's actually pronounced MAGA. Uh, so, oh. at any rate. A saga MAGA. A MAGA saga. You know? You know? Uh, let's get into it though. What, uh, what are we drinking tonight? Josh, what do you got? Ooh, I get to go first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have a special intro for Tom. So, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, my, my in-laws were visiting for a couple of weeks and the kids are at school. And then we had a little, uh, potential COVID scare with some direct contact and exposure. So we all went and got tested. So one, my in-laws left today at 5 a.m. Two. All of our tests came back negative for the vid. So I'm pouring one out for the homies, the COVID-19, as well as the in-laws, and drinking what's left over of what my mother-in-law left behind. Just some straight-up New Amsterdam gin. I myself, I prefer the New Amsterdam London Dry. However, mm-hmm. there's half a bottle left, so I figured why not just pour one out for the return to Phoenix homie, Peggy. Why not finish the whole thing tonight? Wait, I thought that your in-laws lived in chat in with y'all. Oh, they moved back to Phoenix. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, there are certain medicine and medical options available in the state of Arizona that aren't quite yet available in the state of Tennessee for someone who has chronic back pain. Gotcha. They're also available in Michigan, for the record, They've if they want to move Michigan up here. They've for a refill of a prescription. Got it. Of a uh, quote. 
Got it, got it, got Gabe, it. Little New drink? Amsterdam. You know. What are you drinking, Gabe? Oh, well, me, I'm uh, I'm drinking the, well, real quick on New Amsterdam. That was the first gin I got into just because I thought the design of the bottle was cool. It is. It is um, a very sleek and bottle. chic design. Yes. Yeah. It's a nice bottle. It's a nice bottle. Um, so I am uh, very excited to be repping Arbor Brewing Company. Uh, IMO, the best brewery in Ann Arbor. Um, and this is their uh, Tilted Earth. It's an autumn IPA. Ooh. I've never heard of quite so specific to the season, but uh, what is it I mean, like to be the quite hot honest, variety or are they trying to put like maple or molasses or something in it? What's going on with that? You would think it honestly, man, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I don't mean juniper to be berry. It's a, it's a really good beer and I don't mean to dunk on them, but it doesn't taste any different than just like, I don't know, 95% of other IPAs I've had. So it's good, but there's no distinct autumnness to it that I'm experiencing. But it, it is good. I feel like your palate needs a break. It might. For my PS, might, you might have it, to get back into the bush light or the Narragansett, maybe some PBR tall light. boys, some natty light, you know just saying? to cleanse just to cleanse the palate before you get back into the the really bold IPA scene. You know what I do miss? I do miss Mickey's, man. Do you, do you remember Mickey's? Like, yeah. And I, I like I wouldn't do the forty, but I would do the like the little hand grenades unacceptable and it came with the fun puzzle under the bottom where you like had to figure out the words that's great those are not um, good memories that you should bring up but what you should raise is wizards a toast to tom uh, oh oh we're not talking about wizard parties okay all right yes no tom parties. okay but tom a question for you uh what uh super easy recipe do you have for us today and good oh. listeners, Gabe's little fingers, his his middle and index fingers on both hands, were doing some really hardcore quotation marks. So there was a lot of yep. air quotations around this preemptive inquiry into Tom's drink. Yep. You know, we've always said that we have a semi-literate, uh, educated crowd. So I don't understand what four simple ingredients, uh, why that's so hard for people. Four. Yeah, four. I know, I know, buddy. From the guy who brings us read a book, can't do anything more than crack open a can. I mean, okay, homemade right. simple I prefer syrup. To use my mental energy foraging yeah. right, for okay, your own it. botanicals. <laughs> First of all, if you're gonna do it, it has to be in the rain. But okay, here's what it is. Uh, tonight, uh, because I live in Minnesota and it's pretty cold, uh, unseasonably cold uh, this October, I have decided to make myself a Christmas whiskey which I may have talked about before, but uh, as a refresher, go with me here. Bourbon, two parts bourbon. Can we handle that, everybody? Two parts bourbon? I mean, yep, I, so far, so good. Gabe okay. is counting to two too much. No, two. it's good. We're good. And it's All one right. ingredient. I'm doing great. All right. A half to three-fourths part lemon juice. Fresh nope. yeast or bottled lemon juice? I prefer a bottled lemon juice not that stuff in the green and yellow plastic thing but pure squeezed orange juice or lemon juice that comes in the bottle mm, confused very good you can i know i know already i've lost you you can get it's it at much. the supermarket uh instead of simple syrup you're gonna throw on some maple syrup okay Ooh. there's the minnesota <laughs> there it is wait is it is it like freshly tapped maple syrup from the maple from the uh Yes, maple yes. orchards in behind your house in the woods. You, you must go out in your snow boots through the snow to get to get the uh, maple syrup, and then and then you add a smidge of lapsa, no, and uh, and some gefilte fish. <laughs> oh wait, is that wait is gefilte fish? Is that like Swedish or is that Jewish? No idea, but can I finish my drink? 
yeah, yeah. But what's the weird fish that like you guys put lime Schmelt. in and stuff? Oh, Schmelt. no, no, not smell. Oh, 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 yeah, that too. Oh, Ludafisk. That's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, a drop of Ludafisk. Nobody <laughs> likes Ludafisk. That's disgusting. Uh, uh, does Janet? All right, no, 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 no. Uh, it was a it was a reasonable question though, wasn't it? It was a reasonable was. question. Okay, yeah. all right, maple, maple juice. No, no, no. I should probably back up for our crowd here. Um, bourbon, lemon juice, maple syrup, and a dash of cinnamon. Shake that up and throw it in a glass. It's pretty easy, guys. And it tastes like Christmas. Like if you're imagining what Christmas is like, you drink this red sweaters, fire, Christmas tree, opening presents. No pants. You're no good pants. Tunic shirts. Bro, it is not even the end of October. We haven't even had Halloween yet. Why are you already making a Christmas drink? Because it's snowing out in 19 degrees. It's 75 here in Chattanooga. I can't relate. Yeah, I know. Speaking of Halloween, uh, it is just around the corner. And uh, of course, as good Christians, we don't celebrate that satanic holiday. Oh, uh, shut up. But, Get behind uh, me, Satan. But um, No, can we stop right here? Yeah, please. Why? Why? I have this argument with somebody almost every year. Like, I feel like as Christians, we have, we have Halloween right where we want it. It's candy. It's fun, uh, fun decorations and dressing up. And that's it. That's it. Because sorcerers are evil. Oh, gosh. yes. And my eldest daughter is being a water goddess. That's called idolatry, Tom. Oh, okay. Book. Okay. Goddesses. <laughs> we don't believe in goddesses. Who is this, Ashtara? Uh, I don't know. Uh, You're the pastor. And you're letting your daughter do it. So, I mean. It's a glorified mermaid. Uh, okay, people? It's a glorified mermaid. Yeah, so what's, what is our problem with Halloween? I, I don't know, but I recall well, I the mean, days let's... back in the, you know, back when I was a, 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 young, a young buck, a young lad, when Harry Potter came on the scene. And thankfully, my parents weren't being extra about it. But I remember many of my friends literally whose parents were even members of the church were like, if you dress up as Harry Potter, you are supporting like the devil's sorcery and dark magic and all things antichrist. And it never made sense to me. There was like a, a cognitive dissonance where I'm like, this is a made up book. Like clearly no one can wave a little stick in the air and say Expelliarmus and something happens. So yep. this isn't real. So why, if they want to dress up like it, how is it any different than the weird wart-nosed, green-faced, pointy-hatted witch, or a Wookiee, for that matter? Yeah, but to be honest, dude, there's plenty of people that would be against the, you know, warty witch as well. Like, I had a kid, I still remember, I had this kid in grade school who was allowed to go trick-or-treating, uh, but had could only dress up as a biblical character. Like, that was the rule. And so like <laughs> one year he like shows up and he's like, I'm Noah. And he like, you know, had the robes and the beard and the staff. And then the next year, same costume. And he's like, I'm Abraham this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> only this time he's got like a young kid in tone, a knife, you know? Like, right, Listen, I, right, I know exactly, that we exactly. were supposed to transition to like the worst Christian reactions to Halloween or like how we just like go above and beyond and just like out of the norms of, regular life to to assert our christianity into the, the halloween season but i feel like with that introduction gabe as far as the kid being noah and then abraham i vote let's go around the horn worst halloween costume that was either an idea of yours or actually put into practice from birth until now 
I'll go first while you guys okay. think. I was very into uh, immigration, emigration history. Shocker, I know. Would never have pegged wow. me for that. And You're did so a lot of reading Josh. on Ellis Island. And so one year for Halloween, I literally wanted to be a European immigrant who had come through the gates of yeah. Ellis Island into the United States. I had my suitcase, had all my clothes on, and I show up into the gymnasium for a trunk or treat Halloween fall festival. And guess what? Everyone asked me if I was not an immigrant. Okay. I'll give you a guess, Gabe. Uh, what? A, a hobo? businessman. Yes. A hobo. I yes. was a hobo. And yes. I thought to myself, what an epic fail. They clearly do not grasp the Statue of Liberty, the opportunities for immigration in the United States as a white European male. Which makes my point because they were too focused on dressing up as their favorite sports player or a robot or an and getting army candy. Man. Yep, going to the surplus yep. store. Not a single person was like, I wonder what like voodoo doll and seance I can do tonight. Like, I also wanted to be MLK one year, but my parents said blackface was inappropriate. And thank them. God they stopped me. Good that was out of respect, by the them. way. That was out of respect yeah. for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., not out of jest. Just FYI. Yes, I'm sure it was. Uh, so mine came later in life. Actually, in college, uh, I went to uh, to a Halloween party uh, at the University of Miami, Ohio, in uh, Oxford, Ohio. If you can imagine the bougiest college town, not booziest, bougiest college really? town in the world. Oh Wait, my god! Wait, the gosh. University of Miami, Ohio? Yeah, it's real snooty. Oh, yeah, I yeah, always yeah. assumed that that was like a cheap knockoff of the University of Miami. It's just like Rust Belt, Hillbilly. Like we're no man, rural. Not a book. Yeah, no, oh, it's like bad. real. Okay. And in fact, I think it predates the University of Miami in Florida. That's my fault. Um, man. That's my fault. But uh, yeah, real, real bad. And uh, so I go there and I decided to buy a costume for like 10 bucks at Target called Alice in Blunderland, which was a Alice in Wonderland costume with like guy liner and like goth makeup and stuff. Wait, and Alice in like Blunderland or Alice in yeah. Blunterland? Blunder, Blunder, yeah, okay, no, blunder. not Blunter. No, no, okay, that wasn't okay. my scene too much. More the like just dark depressive stuff. And uh, so... I did that and bougie kids at the University of Miami of Ohio do not dig that. And they didn't know me. And so I was this weird guy who was like sort of cross-dressing <laughs> and had goth makeup on and blood coming out of his mouth. And uh, they didn't dig it, did not dig it. What about the friends you went with? Did they like, you know, vouch for Well, you so or? the other one also dressed up as like a goth doll. <laughs> uh, and then the other guy dressed up as like, a frat boy from the university of michigan so really didn't do anything to win any favors with anyone um <laughs> much of terrible things actually happened that weekend that i can't go into in this podcast because it's heirs to the whole world we do have so many listeners in ukraine and latvia whose capital is riga what what about those in armenia Oh, dang it. I looked it up again. Yep. And now I forgot. Sorry, I just wanted to Why catch do you up. do that to me? It's like the one I don't know. I just wanted I was to just like learning up. all about Armenian history. Okay, Azerbaijan like in the house. Baku. Ayo, there it is. Oh, Transition. Tom, what is your, I mean, you're old, so you've had at least 70 <laughs> Halloween costumes in the history of your life. What was the worst That's true. I don't, I don't have a bad one. I've been, I've been racking my brain on this one. My, 
Janet was always really good about making sure we had good costumes. They fit over the uh, the snowsuit because it was always cold and snowing. Uh, you know, I've won a couple contests. I've never had the mistake of going to like that adult uh, Halloween party, office party, where you think everyone's going to dress up and you're the only one who actually dress. I've never had that problem, you know? So like, I'm always the one that's very like, subtly has something going on in Halloween. They're like, oh, I get it, you're tied, you know? Like, so I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I think the one thing I had was my kid had a birthday party where it was pirate themed and I went all out. I dressed as, uh, as Jack Sparrow and I did my thing. And I think everyone who came to the party thought that they're like, this dad has gone way overboard. And I think I was just making my kid happy. So I don't know. That's all I got. I got nothing mm. entertaining. Oh, yeah. oh. wow. Tom, Mr. Wait. Perfect Halloween. I know. Must I be am. nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Must uh, be nice to never make a mistake. That's right. Man. Uh, well, speaking of Halloween, speaking of Halloween, this year, uh, my son, I'm quite proud. He is going as Darth Vader yeah. uh, himself. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's also a COVID-friendly uh, costume. So big win there as well. Uh, but we are talking about uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Darth Vader, uh, in addition to the entire Star Wars saga, according to Josh, saga, according to the rest of the world. Um, and so we're going to talk about Star Wars in just a second. So uh, sit tight on this break. And when we come back, it's Tom's favorite episode time. Yeah, I, I mean, we really, before you like totally leave us, listener, we are going to be talking about the theological themes that we see in Star Wars, maybe some other movies and things like that and what we think about it so tom if there's anything that you should know about our listeners by now they literally they will no no they will hang in there just with like the smallest amount of hope that there will be one tiny nugget of significance Except for Chip. Chip has been out Except for, for Chip. 20 Chip, minutes at this point. I don't well, think Chip, Chip always skips the first 20 minutes. He does. He does. So Chip... Which is why we've been going 30 minutes with our intro. That's right. That's right. Chip may KD. We'll go yeah. to break. We'll see you when we get back. All right. If you're lucky. Tom, I have one thing to say to you because you're my friend and you're a co-facilitator of Pint Glass Preachers. Live long and prosper. No, no, that yes. is not what we're talking about. It is tonight. what we're talking about. It is Star Trek that this episode Captain is about. Spock, Captain, Captain Spock, Kirk. Leonard Nimoy <laughs> himself. McCoy. Listen, how many children practice being able to spread their pinky and ring fingers apart from their index and middle fingers and their thumb spread wide to say live long and prosper only a bunch Captain of Warf. uber dorks Warf. Bunch of uber dorks the klingon star wars has nothing on the klingons yeah 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 tom yeah. cool let's talk about star captain wars. data okay okay <laughs> 
Let's talk about Star. I mean, so here's the thing. I told my son Titus. I says, I says to him, uh, Titus, we're doing an episode tonight on Star Wars, and he looks at me and he says, "Why would you do that?" And I said, "Because it's this ridiculously culturally important thing that's been around for what, like four decades, like Tom's whole life." Um, so <laughs> three more years in my whole life. Yeah, yeah, like that's pretty important. So. Tom, tell us about the importance of Star Wars. Like, why is it All such right. a big deal? All Besides right, it's being entertaining. Yeah. Oh, by the way, listeners, if you haven't caught on, Tom is a proper Star Wars nerd. He has like a Star Wars bathroom in his house. Right? Which like, I will tell you why that is. He has okay. a tattoo okay. of Darth Vader on his back, lower yep. back, just above the belt line. <laughs> it yep. is what it is. And so, yes, I said live long and prosper in jest because you know what, Gabe? Tonight is whose night? It's Tom's night. Who's my night? We've had, we have had years of theological and philosophical debates to make Gabe happy. We have recently delved into the race issues. Josh is happy, and now we get to dive into the weighty subject of Star Wars, so it can make me happy. And so we're here for you, buddy. <laughs> you thanks, man. Crying. I know, right? Or choking on the crackers that I was eating. So, very quick side note: when I worked at Camp Luther along with with Gabe's wife, I. I had an office and I have all my Star Wars memorabilia, which I like. And it was very appropriate to, to have that displayed in my office because I work at a camp with kids and things like that. And uh, my main constituency was a bunch of college students. So that was fine. And when I moved from camp to Minneapolis to go work at Thrivent, high finance, Fortune 500, it probably wasn't appropriate for me to have Star Wars memorabilia in my office anymore. So we're at, we're setting up our house and Jen's like, well, it's not going in the bedroom and it's not going in the living room. I was like, well, where's all my awesome memorabilia going to go? And she's like, how about the basement? I mean, the place nobody goes? No. The kitchen. And so we, yeah, the kitchen. So Just we like finally- the roosters. We settled on the half bath in on the main floor uh, where I have some of my favorite stuff. So that's why I have a Star Wars bathroom. But I will bring you back to 1980 uh, where when I was born and my uncle who was like 18 at the time uh, bought, me, uh, bought me in utero a little Yoda figurine and gave it to my mom and said, here, when you're, when, when your son, when your kid is born, give him this. And he was joking around and things like that. And my mom's, said good thing this star wars stuff will all be done by the time my kid grows up no way <gasps> yes that is no. what she said janet wow janet. janet yeah so you know 1980 empire strikes back comes out the second uh, of the movies and then return of the jedi in 1983 and grandpa and grandma were the first people to have like in my family at least to have a vcr and when i went to their house the thing that i could watch that they would allow me to watch was star wars so every time i went to grandpa and grandma's i would watch star wars because that same uncle and and my aunt had star wars on vhs and i would watch it and i got to know it i watched it a hundred times and loved it right and so yeah you know, then you fast forward, Star Wars throughout that entire time was a big moneymaker. There was toys that were constantly coming out in different iterations and things like that. We all knew that like, Luke, I am your father. And that was repeated in many different jokes and cultural settings and things like that. Most people can point to Darth Vader as one of the most evil villains of all time, right? Right, right. Legend. And then, then we get into 1997 and they decide to release the prequels. And now we have a whole nother generation of Star Wars fans 
you know, and now and there were remasters in between there too. Like oh, I remember yeah. seeing Empire Strikes Back in theater because they remastered it. Yes, in yes. the nineties. Right. Yeah. One of the non coolest I had. HD. Yeah. <laughs> I remember they did a like when they did that they re-released it and everything went to charity and I got to go see Star Wars in the theaters like my dad did in 1977, right? Cool. And so then you have the prequels, one, two, and three, and whether you like them or not, that's neither here nor there, but it continued the story for but do you like several gen- And they're all right. I mean, okay. they continue the story, but yeah, they're, they're far, I mean, the original three are far superior. But you have, not only do you have you know, several generations of people who are excited to see these prequels come out, but now you have a whole new generation of people excited. And now you come into the last five, six years when you had episodes seven, eight, nine, you also had Rogue One and the Solo Story and Disney's bought it and blew it up into a huge thing. And so what you have is 43 years of Star Wars being a significant cultural experience, right? And my wife brought this up to me last year when, when episode nine was about to come out and I was really excited about it and, you know, trying not to watch any trailers or hear any news about it and things like that. And my wife said, she's like, you know, the interesting thing about this is that this is the culmination of like your childhood, like the, one of the most impactful cultural things to happen for my childhood at least that impacted me i read all the star wars books and the comic books and things like that it's what got me to learn to read and and to like to read and things like that and she's like this is the culmination of that i don't think i can name anything in my life that's as as important or as as significant as star wars like there's no book that's going to come out there's no movie that's going to come out that's going to connect three-year-old me to 40-year-old me Uh, star wars of the christ the bible sure (laughs) sure come on tom but like you know when you look at like statistics as far as star wars episode four is still the top 10 grossing movie of all time and tickets sold for 50 cents a piece harry potter sold for 12.75 a piece you know and star wars is still in the top 10 you know and if you adjust for inflation all nine star wars movies are like one through nine I mean, it it just is. Do you, you know? Hey, so why why briefly, do you think that do you is? Count like... the Mandalorian in in the saga in the saga of the Star Wars family, or is it separate? No, no, no. So there are the nine movies that talk about the Skywalker saga, right? The Skywalker family, the rise and fall, and we can get into this from the theological perspective. But then there's these, you know, like Rogue One and the Solo story are just kind of tangential they they feed into the story and that's fine there's a million books out there and comic books that all feed into this this story the mandalorian is now kind of this is it is during the skywalker saga but it's it's completely separate okay okay so okay so why why do you think that is like why why has star wars had this sort of like deeply ingrained uh like existence in in our cultural zeitgeist like like what about the story is is because i mean and honestly like i think we'd all say the the first two of the prequels are are pretty terrible but even still i watched i've seen both of them at least three times and i'm not even like a star wars guy like not even close to a star wars guy but it's like so much a part of us that it's like we can't seem to escape it i mean it's it's cultic in a traditional specific religious sense like it is almost a religious experience 
but but well so that's the interesting thing because for like people like me and who love star wars and a geek out over all this stuff it is very cultic but you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't know who darth vader is who couldn't identify yoda in a lineup you know like we know this story i mean i think from uh i mean and this is not important to the discussion today but like Star Wars was very unique and and trendsetting in terms of sound, light, uh, like motion picture kind of stuff. I mean, right. green cinematography screen, was cin- yeah, 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 like all of this stuff was was groundbreaking, and so it was one of the first movies to do that. So when we talk about just the original the original trilogy, I mean, it was absolutely, you know, and 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 I think too at the height of cinema you know, when you could still go for a quarter for 50 cents, you know, and it was very accessible. And that's what you did on Saturday afternoons. And, uh, you know, you had that kind of stuff, but, uh, so definitely the first three hit at the right time and mm -hmm. the boundaries they pushed in terms of technology and cinematography were just mind blowing for people. So it was like this surreal experience, even if you didn't vibe with the story. And yet I still feel like, there's something about the story of Star Wars that resonates with us at like a, a human level. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I is it too cliche to talk about it's it's you know the fight against you know between good and evil? I mean, well, right. So yeah, you're Joseph Campbell, hero with a thousand faces, like, and you're right. It's like the it is the definitive good versus evil, right? The, the Jedi versus the Sith, the dark versus the light, the like, yin versus mm-hmm. the yang. Right. Well, so so. And, that, and that gets us right in, like, I think after the fact, I don't think George Lucas meant to do this. And it's just like, oh, it turned out that way. So I'm going to ride this train. But like, you know, it was like all these, like, there's all these interviews out there where he's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to bring in all these religious different things. I mean, you can see Christianity, you can see Buddhism, you can see Taoism, you you can see all these different things within Star Wars. And, and like, yeah, I wanted to make it like that. I'm like, yeah, did you really? Or did you make a really cool science fiction movie? And now you're trying to cram in religion? What well, is kind of interesting, because that that to me is part of it, right? Is it it gets at these, this somewhat dual aspect. So we talk good and evil in Star Wars, but <clears throat> I sneezed in a podcast. Um, Great audio. I am not editing that. Thanks to Gats. But, uh, right, so good and evil, we're all attracted to that. But then I think there's this aspect to us as humans in terms of, like, the spiritual and the material. And I think of, like, I was just watching A New Hope with my son. Episode four. uh, Episode four. The original. The original. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Jeez. Yep. Yes. Thank you. But there's that moment where like Darth Vader's like talking with the generals of the Empire or whatever they are. And (laughs) they're like kind of dunking on him. They're like, oh, you and your old time religion. There's no one that believes in yet, you old wizard, blah, blah, blah. And they're just and then he like chokes Chokes him out. Like, I find your lack of yeah, yeah. He's like, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And I was kind of struck by that because like in many ways, I think a lot of us find ourselves in conflict with that within ourselves, right? Whether you're a religious person or not. And I know much of our audience is religious. Uh, we, of course, are. I don't know if you know, Josh and I are both <laughs> pastors. Uh, and That's uh, going to be the title of my um, next sermon, Get Choked Out by Jesus. <laughs> get Choked Out by Jesus. Um, you know, but but whether you do or not, we all do, I think, as humanity, have this thing in which there's like, 
our material existence and the importance, especially in the modern age of, of science and technology and like what an emphasis we place on that and, and being able to manipulate that and use that to our own ends. And at the same time, no matter how much we seek to master the material realities around us, I think most people, and I mean, stats would back this up, find this spiritual longing inside of them too, and find this to be like, there's more than just what meets the eye. Now I'm referencing Transformers, but uh, but like, uh, you know, there, there's, there seems to be a dimension beyond uh, just the material reality that, that, well, that we, we see. And one that, and one that ultimately triumphs, I think is important as well, right? Because like when we yeah. look at the Star Wars saga, you know, or the rise of the Skywalker or whatever, or the Skywalker saga, whatever you want to call it, Tom, yeah. I don't know what your technical terminology is, but nah. you know, they're like, th there's always those moments where you're like, oh crap, evil is going to triumph, right? Like the Sith mm. are going to win or the force will be defeated or whatever. But then they always kind of pull through. And I think that that speaks to this very, almost like, essential function of human optimism to say good will triumph over evil or like the bad guys can't get away with it or those who are purest of heart or whatever are, are ultimately there's like an eternal cosmic justice yes yes aspect agreed. to it right yeah right well okay so i love that you brought that up and i and and i want to touch on the materialism thing first so i think Star Wars runs on on a bunch of different themes, and I think you know you you ask the question like why did this why did this become what it was right? Yeah. Never mind the the like marketing genius of everybody who just and then course, just kept yeah. it going, and then Disney buying this out and creating and even and Lego and yeah yeah yeah. I mean that obviously played a huge part in it, um, but then also you have movies coming out over forty years, and you get multiple generations. You get dads like myself towing my kids to the movies and that's why we it's as big as it is right but you have like at a base level you kind of talked about it you have a, like a luke skywalker character who goes from relative obscurity to to prominence right to be american oh too. sorry well no. sure yes. absolutely Agreed. but like i think it, I, th I think it plays to to anybody who whether you're in poverty and aspire to something else whether you are in your lowly job and want to be the boss or whatever it happens to be, you have Luke Skywalker, who is a nothing farm kid. And now all of a sudden is the savior of the galaxy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You tell me you have the messianic figure too. Sorry. I mean, I, that's another well, theme, well, that's, right? Well, right. That's what it goes to. You have just the base level. If you don't want to put religion into it, good versus evil, just right choices versus not, you, you know, you have all that kind right, of stuff, right. but then you have like the messianic version of Luke Skywalker you know that well, and even you have anakin is viewed messianically in the uh, prequels and then ray is also viewed messianically in the sure sequels. but the interesting thing about like what i think about darth vader i think nobody thinks about it this way but maybe subconsciously we do the darth vader is actually us it, it's the the person who was good and That's turned deep. bad and then very lutheran That's i know deep. right and then, and then, and then comes back like you know yeah. it's that evil tension within us we do bad things but we but but it's not the it's not the good that we want to do and i think paul said something about that Roman seven know. baby yeah. yeah good listener it's called repentance metanoia in the greek yeah so i mean you you have 
you have all these different themes going on, but then you definitely have Luke Skywalker as, as, as the Jesus character in this, you have, you have Yoda as kind of like God, the father, you have, you have Obi-Wan as the Holy spirit, who's kind of that guiding force kind of always next to you whispering, like, I think you should do it this way, you know, kind of thing. You have Emperor Palpatine as evil Satan, you know, and all his stormtrooper demons. And so that is, wow. Okay. I do want to talk about some of the rhetoric of Star Wars that I've always found problematic. Um, sure. And then I have so some questions. Have, oh, yeah. Okay. So you have episodes four through six. The people who are going against the status quo are called the rebels, which is kind of, you know, the yep. rebellion, which is this yep. sort of, and we like rebels, right? Like it's an affectionate term. Like we, mm-hmm. we kind of like that. In the prequels, the people who go against the status quo are the bad guys and we they, they're called the separatists mm-hmm. and i'm always like what a kind of jerk move to be like ah they're the rebels in this instance but when they don't rebel the way we want them to we'll call them the separatists mm. Yeah. Mm. also kind of interesting that like it's stuff like international trade laws that are causing like or i mean <laughs> it's the un's fault laws. it's always the like, un's fault but like, what a hilarious premise to be like, I know how we'll get people. Let's talk about uh, intergalactic trade. That's a captivating storyline. Yeah. Uh, but it worked. I mean, like, so that's what's okay, crazy to me. So, but. so for all of you listeners who have maybe read the screw tape letters, you know, this is C.S. Lewis at his finest. And he's talking, you know, it's written from the perspective of like the managerial demon talking to his newbie demon who's sending out into the world to to uh impact the life of a of a normal human and it's all this intricate little like hey this little chess move here is going to have big big impact later right and that's what we that's what we see in star wars you know and this is one of the things i I actually really do like about what george lucas did whether he did this intentionally or not is like these little trade wars and things like that all of this was orchestrated by the emperor by the sith yeah you know like one really bad dude who could like see 17 moves into the future right and it was like chess yeah like he he's playing the long 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 game right and so he's like i'm gonna tweak this here i'm gonna tweak this here i'm gonna make this you know and so like i'm gonna make these separatists who are really you know they're really fighting for like small government and like states rights you know i'm gonna make them seem bad you know and then when you get to the original star wars four five and six it's like those rebels like okay now we're fine now we're now we're with them you know but it's all right it's all against the emperor and the devil you know like the bad machinations of of what's going on behind the scenes yeah yeah all right josh do your questions you have many more no they're they're trite and trivial no okay okay well all right fine so Let's like, let's do this. I mean, you you know, Tom, you mentioned like Lucas kind of seems to be like, oh yeah, I definitely put in a bunch of religious stuff in there. It's like, whether or not he intended to, it's obviously there. So like, let's work through a couple of those things. Like one of the things that obviously gets talked about all the time is the force, right? So, so what do we mean by the force? Is it is it more taken from from the Tao in Taoism? Is it more taken from, uh, well, really Eastern religions in general, which which have yeah. a sort of less dualistic understanding of the universe and much more of a like, 
sort of monistic like, like everything kind of works in this flow and there's this cyclical yep. nature to things and this balance to things that we want to strike and so some people say yeah it's really an eastern religious thought that that's coming in there uh of course you know christians would say ah oh, no man that seems a lot more like the holy spirit and uh and this idea that like we can be in touch with the holy spirit and he gifts us in certain ways and blah 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 blah, blah. well and there's a lot so, of resurrection in star wars yeah yeah you know, like yeah. Obi-Wan is slain, but then he like comes back and is able to interact with Luke and, and others. Which is actually fairly Buddhist, too. I mean, like... He, well, not Buddhist. You, yeah. You know, like, yeah, like you have these helping... It's these helping spirits who come back and like their main function is to not just go like off into the ether and enjoy Valhalla and whatever, right? I'm definitely, make, I'm definitely mixing religions at this point, right? <laughs> Don't Nordic, Nordic religion. Uh, Nordic there. Buddhism. <laughs> this is the bait of my existence, Nordic Buddhism. Um, no, but, but instead they like stick around to like help out where they can. Right. And, and their sole goal is to help others come along in their journey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so th there's definitely some Buddhist undertones there, but like the force really, owes a lot to like Taoism is like uh it, it's like that the chi and like the force is surrounding us and it's through you and like as long as you can like align yourself with it like that's that's how you're gonna go a Jedi are like able to align themselves a whole lot better than everybody else you know so they well, can actually wield it okay so I have a question Tom about uh and it's not necessarily tied to what you just said but it, it more so is directed towards like this idea of redemption, right? I don't know what episode this is. Um, six, maybe when Luke kills his dad, Darth Vader slash Anakin. Sure. If I'm remembering correctly, Anakin at some point, either in that episode or another one sort of like comes back and is like standing shoulder to shoulder with either Obi-Wan or Luke or, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a redemptive aspect after Anakin is killed, where even though he basically sold his soul to the dark side, right, that he's somehow redeemed from that and is able to stand alongside his son and or, or stand alongside Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I honestly can't remember. No, no, you're, you're pretty spot on. I mean, in, at the end of Return of the Jedi, um vader is really pushing luke's buttons and he gets him to like almost turn to the dark side right and luke attacks him he cuts off his arm he you know he he clearly defeats vader and so then luke is getting tortured by the emperor and so in a re in his redemption arc darth vader throws the emperor into the pit and and he gets rid of he gets rid of satan if you will he gets rid of the bad guy um, and that completes his arc from going from cute little kid, doing everything he can to defeat bad guys, turning to the dark side, being the worst bad guy of all time, and then turning because his son was able to turn him and, you know, and whatnot. And so, right. again, that's where I, I come back to, like, like, we like to think of Vader as Satan, but he's not. He's us. He's like this back and forth. I mean, in the prequels. Anakin Skywalker struggles like Can he we wants to say, cut though, the one unforgivable sin of Anakin Skywalker is that rat tail that brain. Oh, rat I know. Tail. Well, and casting Hayden Christensen. Good well, Lord. Oh, right. Homie Ken. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's bad. You go, you go and watch those episodes. 
I mean, the writing was terrible. Yeah. The acting was terrible. I mean, even you could see Natalie Portman, who is a good actress, struggling. Watching those, I was like, you can tell she's in pain. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Ewan oh, McGregor gosh. is a good actor too, and yep. he's struggling yep. through it. So yep. um, like everyone's like, why is this kid here? That's why so he wants to throw Luke in the hot lava or Anakin in the hot lava on whatever that lava <laughs> blame him? is. Who could blame him? I, right, no one. Right. I don't blame him. I would terrible acting. Throw you in there. Christian. Um, but even that, you can look at like, I mean, you got this being thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, like you have these like very Christian themes. And I and I do think whatever religious persuasion you are fr- you are from, you can pull out an entire youth group Bible studies worth of like, <laughs> uh, and many uh, have metaphors. Many have. Yes. Right. Too many. Right. Too many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, good Lord, I've never watched Star Wars with like the man. I, I really hope I could get some Christian understanding from this movie. Like, well, I, I'm not, so I, I'm not I'd looking like, for an Oscar performance. Let's just enjoy it. I, I, so I'd like to ask a question because I've, I've thought about this. I mean, really, when it comes to all of these sort of science fiction sagas, I'm more of a Star Trek fan than Star Wars, although I appreciate Star Wars for what it is. However, there's something that that always has stuck out to me, and that is we tend to view these futuristic sci-fi films, series, sagas, whatever you want to call them, with like a very utopian framework that Mm -hmm. like all the problems we are currently facing that we suffer under are going to be fixed at some point in human future. Right. We're going to have enough resources for everyone. We're going to be able to have enough wealth for everyone. You know, we're going to have enough housing for everyone, whatever the case may be. And yet, even in Star Wars, we see this like inequity, this disparity. I mean, I look at the food that Luke and his family are eating in the blue milk. Right. I'm yeah. like, that's nasty. How are you? Yeah. Like, you guys have starships that are giant triangles floating through the sky that can blow up planets. And like, you're eating porridge. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, I'm 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 wondering where do you see the place of this sort of narrative that Jesus highlights, quite honestly, that the poor will always be with us. Um, but but also the tendency for not just human but perhaps alien cultures, alien natures, alien identities, whatever we want to define them, that that will always create these systems or interpersonal relationships of of inequity, the haves and the have-nots, and and how Star Wars really, or, or maybe addresses them or tries to overcome them. No, and I and I think you know whether ham-handed or not. I mean, I think George Lucas was trying to do that. I mean, when you talk about Star Wars being released in 1977, I mean, we're at the height of the Cold War here, right? 77, 80, 83. Um, you're talking about an oppressive regime. Looks a lot like either Nazi Germany and or. You know, Soviet Russia. Russia and yeah. Soviet Russia road forks you. Yeah, Putin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you, you have you have those things, and and I don't disagree with you, Josh. I mean, you and it's, you actually see this in like episode seven, where Ray is like living this really poor existence, scavenging yeah, yeah. for stuff and like bartering this for a very small amount of food. And you see this in the uh, you see it in like Rogue One. Uh, where there's a lot of people just suffering under the empire, you know, this yeah, just, yeah. you know, the, the rich are getting richer and taking everything from everybody else. 
and it's not good. And actually, there's this really great line uh, where Jin, the main character of, of Rogue One, someone asked her, like, well, what do you think about, you know, she's very, she's very self-centered in the beginning of the movie. And they, they said, well, why aren't, why don't you respond more to what the Empire is doing or, you know, something like that. And she's like, well, it's easy not to respond if you never if you never look up, you know, if you never, if you never take the time to look at the oppression that's happening at, you know, all the bad things that are happening in this galaxy, then things don't look so bad if you're only looking at your own shoes. Right. And I mean, I think that's a really powerful message when you think about let's bring, let's really bring this home to even some of our last episodes when we're talking about racial inequality or when we're talking about uh, you talk about the poor uh, of the world who don't have enough to eat. Politics, like, yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to say it's not that bad if you never bother to look past the walls of your own home or, or what's going on. I mean, well, I mean, I'm even trying to apply it biblically, right? Like I, I know we've mentioned a handful of times that Lucas is like, well, we're trying to bring in Taoism and Buddhism and Christianity or, or whatever the case may be. But like, these are themes that pop up throughout the annals of scripture. You know, you've got these this dis- disparity, you've got these inequities, you've got the rich who are exploiting the poor or oppressing the widow or the orphan or the outcast for financial gain or power. Um, and the Lord is saying, like, no, that's not how I operate. Well, and I think that that definitely ties into the messianic figures as well, right? Because, like, obviously, empires are a big deal throughout the Bible, right? So because you start with God liberating his people from an empire, the Egyptian empire, uh, and then you move into, like, the Assyrians, Israel the kind the of doing its own thing for a while. Right. But then you go the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Uh, we don't get as Romans, much on, on the, the Greeks, Rome. but then you move into the Romans, right? Yeah. And, and that Jesus, of course, is crucified on a Roman cross under the orders of a Roman governor. And so, um, and yet it's through that, that he ends up saving his people, uh, not in the way they expect. And, and I think that's actually part of it too. You know, I, Josh, remember that book you had me read? I think it was like Encountering Scripture, Encountering Jesus or something. Oh, yes. That book was dope. Um, but it's about, you know, the nature that like Jesus was this Messiah no one was expecting. Like there's obviously, you know, the, the, the Jewish people in the first century were looking for the Messiah, but they're looking for this sort of political, forceful, uh, in some ways, probably violent Messiah. And Jesus, of course, comes in and, and is is the Messiah, but but is is killed. And that's how he ends up saving his people in a way that they maybe hadn't seen coming and had to understand retroactively. Uh, and in the same way, um, I, I feel like the the Skywalker family, their their messianic figures end up being understood retroactively too, right? Like it's like, yeah. well, we expected Anakin to be the the savior. I mean, like 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 Obi Wan cries this out at the end of Revenge of the Sith, right? He's like, you were the chosen one, right? Um, and it turns out he sort of was, right? I mean, to to your point, Tom, like like he he's the one who offs the emperor. Like he's the one actually who kills the emperor. Yeah. Uh, and so not in the way anyone would have expected. And yet he was the one to do it. Yeah. yeah and those glimpses, like you look at the way that Obi-Wan eventually dies, right? He essentially just like sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what episode it is, but he, he basically like allows Before. his, like he withdraws Before. his lightsaber and who is it? Anakin who kills him. Yeah, it's Darth Vader. Darth, I mean, Darth Vader, Vader yeah. right? But yeah. like, you see these themes of voluntary self-sacrifice, 
of redemption, of resurrection, of, you know, kind of like a full-blown repentance of sorts, you know, and it, it really makes me think like, I know a lot of times we as Christians love to stretch things. You know, we like to take narratives and 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 read the scriptures into them, perhaps to a fault sometimes where they simply don't exist. But like, there are so many thematic elements within the Star Wars saga and the the story of the Skywalkers or and, and whatever else, right? Where you see like, man, some direct parallels to the the God of the Bible and how he's worked out salvation through the person work of Jesus Christ, where it almost makes me think like, it's a reinforcement of God's laws written into creation. It's written, it's written into our hearts and it yep. all points to Christ. And so therefore, when we come even to these stories, even if Lucas wasn't specifically articulating a Christian gospel, like he just did it anyway, because that's how yeah. God functions in the world. This is what's so interesting to me is that throughout all of literature and and media and movies and things like that, we as regular people crave heroes. We crave, we've been talking about sacrifice and redemption and things like that. We want our heroes to do that, right? I mean, if we talk about others, movies and things like i mean harry potter had tons of themes of sacrifice oh, and redemption tons, and things yeah, like that yeah. right i mean harry potter is That's that next messy. halloween yeah yeah i mean he's he is that messianic character in Voldemort and satan and double they even have a holy trinity of like dumbledore is god the father and and harry potter is jesus and and the phoenix is you know your holy spirit like you got that right i don't care about harry potter you have you have the matrix where one of the characters is literally named trinity you know like uh you you have these things but then, you know, you you have atheists and people who are just like, oh, you know, we God doesn't exist and things like that. We crave this in our literature. We love it. Any movie that ends with the bad guy winning is just like, well, that was terrible. Like, that's not what I wanted. And I feel unfulfilled. But then when it comes to where we have, we have a story, we have an account of, of Jesus Christ, a savior of a God who loves us. And then we're like, yeah, but not that story, you know, like that, right. That right. doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. There's a way in which it resonates with the human heart, no matter what, like it's, it's somewhat inescapable. Um, yeah, that's good. All right. Let's uh, we, we don't have a ton of time. So let's uh, close up with the important question. Tom, talk to us about Jar Jar Banks. I mean, it's not really a question, but like, no, 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 no. That's not the question you want to ask me. <laughs> Okay, what do I want to ask you? We all agree that Jar Jar Binks is terrible, horrible, racist even, just like the worst character in all of Star Wars. No doubt best. about it. Or the best. Let's argue about how bad episode eight was and how like Disney screwed the pooch on that one. Okay, it was you're going to have to terrible. recap for us who say live long and prosper, not may the force be with you. Oh, wait, so Re recap episode eight. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will recap episode briefly, eight. Briefly, Tom. Let's episode seven. They get J.J. Abrams, who is a very good director and has directed a lot of really has directed star wars films or star trek films and done well he did lost he did he's done alias he's done a bunch of great stuff they heard him. he yeah. puts out a really great episode of episode seven and you know what they they gave him the reins said like hey kind of outline what the next you know all three episodes should look like kind of let's do that right episode eight what did we learn 
Princess Leia can fly through space. There was a big fun like horse riding scene through a casino and uh, Kylo Ren is pretty emo. That's what we learned in episode eight. Gabe made a cameo in episode eight. (laughs) It was awesome to be in it, you guys. Dude, five, five years, five years from now when I have grandkids and like they come over five years from now wait your kids are having kids at 18 no you keep telling me how old i am so i am having grandkids in five years do you do you hate episode eight more than episode one i hate episode eight more than any movie i've ever seen ever what wow and and this this is why this is why disney purchased disney purchased star wars for four billion dollars and gave it to george lucas said now we're in control fine cool whatever right in the meantime, Disney created a 23-episode movie with Marvel, and they put one person in charge, Kevin Fiji, and they said, hey, make this happen. And he said, okay, every director, here's where we're going with this. Here are the curbs in the road. You can do whatever you want in this movie, but it has to point to this, right? And they somehow did 23 movies that all perfectly moved. Now, some movies, there's like three movies that weren't great, but they weren't awful, and they all pointed to one big fantastic ending in avengers endgame right we can all agree on this no argument here all right thanatos as we've talked about star wars what i believe with bias but i think i can argue one of the most culturally relevant and significant movies of all time has made the most money of any movie series of all time everybody knows about it whatever right They put Kathleen Kennedy in charge and they said, okay, we have three movies that you have to get through three, not 23, three. Right. And she said, okay, JJ Abrams kind of start us off. And he did the first movie. And then they got to the second movie and she's, and she told Rian Johnson, yeah, do whatever you want. I'm going to go out for coffee. And Rian Johnson just like took it in a completely asinine direction. And then they bring JJ Abrams back to fix everything in nine and nine wasn't as good as it could have been because he had to spend so much time fixing all the crap in eight. Eight is unwatchable. I've literally watched it one and a half times. Okay, hold on. So Tom, me... to- hold on, Gabe, real quick. Go, go. You did a lot of seven, eight, and nine talking. Yeah. What are you referencing? Because seven, eight, nine mean nothing to me in terms of you're like, right. you're, you're talking about, well, in eight, he did this, and then Abrams had to fix it in nine. Give me a little bit, like, and the good listener, if they have not watched it 20 times like you have, what 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 are those egregious errors, right? Like, what are the plot lines that, that were messed up in 8 or disjointed between 7 and 9? G- give a little bit more detail, yep. just very yep. briefly. Very briefly, 4, 5, and 6 are the original episodes that came out. George Lucas, for whatever reason, decided the first Star Wars movie was going to be episode 4. I don't know why he did that. He says because he had a nine-book series and these were the these three were the most interesting. Whatever. The original, 4, 5, and 6. In the early late 90s and early 2000s, he released 1, 2, and 3. And then over the last five years, we have seen episodes 7, 8, and 9. This is Rey. This is Kylo Ren. This is all of our Han Solo and whatnot in very old form. Like this is what we've seen in the last couple of years. Right. So episode seven was a good episode. It was great. Episode eight, Luke Skywalker. This is, this is okay. In episode seven, Han Solo dies. Harrison Ford, one of the original characters. Okay. That's fine. Okay. We're good with that. In episode eight, Luke Skywalker dies. He is literally the focal point of the entire nine movie saga 
and they kill him off one movie early. I don't uh, understand but why. that scene with like the salt, the blood red salt stuff or whatever is dope. Oh, yeah. Super cool. We love that. But he died. Like, I don't understand why that happened. We had Princess Leia, like Mary Poppins, floating through space. We had whole 40-minute segments of the movie that did not add one single thing to the plot. Um, we had I, it, it just gaff after gaff. It was I mean, from a Star Wars geek perspective, it was terrible. But I think from the average watcher, I mean, what moviegoer, like it wasn't a great movie. It was largely panned. So, I mean, what are you going to do about it? So, so okay. Tom hates episode eight. It's good Hate to know. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I hate episode one. What? Josh, do you hate? Go on. I thought all were mildly entertaining, so I'm yeah. Cool they're all everything. they're all mildly entertaining. Here's my question: We've been talking a lot about theology in this episode, or theology in the episodes of Star Wars, and in maybe other things. Like, how important is it, or does it matter that that there are these religious undertones in some of these movies? Not just Star Wars, just. Anything that's well, not supposed to be religious. I mean, well, I think on the one hand, when we've done, and I say we by like pastors for the last close to 40 years have done a sermon series trying to like directly connect Star Wars or Star Trek or others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hunger Games or Hunger whatever. Games, whatever. Yeah. They always feel cheesy to me. I yep. don't think they hit home as much as the actual movies themselves just because the production value is so good, right? Like it's an emotive draw. Like it, it literally makes you feel something on a visceral level. Mm -hmm. um, so we should stop that and just stick to actually figuring out how to preach the gospel. Uh, but at the same time, we have to be willing as Christians to see the fabric of God's redemptive work woven through even the most unwitting participants so sure. whether or not george lucas was intentional he did include elements of the i mean the actual resurrection of jesus right like the gospel of jesus christ how we apply that to our lives and if we're willing to see that or able to see it is is a story yet to be told in my mind mm -hmm. well there's there's this kind of trope out there that that people are more likely to talk about religion or faith leaving the movie theater than they are leaving church and mm -hmm. i think there's something to that that there's a way in which art when it's done well you know obviously speaks to these deeper things inside of us inescapably and i, and I guess that to me is why i think like i just think human beings are inherently religious like I, I don't care if you're the most like I, richard dawkins is listening right now like you've subscribed to something you've submitted yourself to something you've put something ahead of yourself and so like uh we we're just gonna find these themes come up again and again and again and again because it's just baked into our bones and and there's just no escaping it and so yeah i mean and so to me i think that is part of the attraction of star wars is that it's it's actually just so much more explicit than other places and we yeah. just seem to resonate with that as as people uh and so friends i'm gonna give us 30 seconds any final thoughts on star wars josh tom 
Uh, Live long and prosper. (laughs) We did it. We did it, kids. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pint Glass Preachers. Hope you enjoyed the Star Wars one. It was a fun one for us. And certainly amidst all the chaos and confusion of our world right now, uh, we hope a somewhat lighter topic, though I think we, we drew on some deep themes in the midst of it. Uh, but hopefully a somewhat lighter topic was was fun for you as it was for us. And uh, we'll catch you on the flippy floppy. Uh, be sure to shoot us a text, 612-208-5858. And we finally threw Tom a bone. Yeah. You're welcome, nerd. All right. Three wow. years from now. Wow.